The House may return as early as Tuesday and stay in session through Thursday. The Senate will return Monday and stay in session through Thursday. Last week in the House, the House was in recess. This week in the House, the House is scheduled to return this evening, but no votes have yet been scheduled. It's the hope of many Republican leaders that they will be able to hold a floor vote for Speaker tomorrow. Last week in the Senate, the Senate was also in recess. So this week in the Senate, they'll return today with the first vote set for 5.30 p.m. At that time, the Senate will proceed to a roll call vote on a motion to invoke cloture on the nomination of Jennifer L. Hall to be U.S. District Judge for the District of Delaware. Then, based on the Majority Leader's cloture filings, I anticipate we'll see votes on the nominations of Julia Kathleen Munley to be U.S. District Judge for the Middle District of Pennsylvania and Carla Ann Gilbride to be General Counsel of the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Now follow up to Israel at war. One significant thing of consequence is going to happen inside the U.S. government regarding Israel this week. On Wednesday, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee is going to take up the nomination of Jack Lew to serve as the U.S. Ambassador to Israel. Lew, you will recall, has previously served at the top levels of the American government. In the Clinton administration, he served as Director of the Office of Management and Budget. In the Obama administration, he served as director of OMB and then as Obama's White House Chief of Staff before spending the entirety of the second Obama term as Secretary of the Treasury. It's in this final capacity as Treasury Secretary that Lou did something that's now problematic to his confirmation to serve as Ambassador to Israel. While he was at Treasury, he worked with the rest of the Obama administration to engage Iran in a disastrous nuclear deal. Arkansas Republican Senator Tom Cotton has made clear his strong opposition to Lou's confirmation to serve in Israel. Speaking yesterday on Fox News Sunday, Cotton said, quote, I know Democrats are saying that we need to confirm Jack Lou quickly to show our support of Israel. I would say it's the exact opposite. We need to defeat Jack Lou's nomination to show we have a new approach to Iran, end quote. Cotton is not a member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, but he can delay any expedited consideration of the Lew nomination on the floor of the Senate. Stay tuned. And now to the contest for Speaker. Thirteen days ago, the House of Representatives did something it's never done before. It voted to depose its Speaker on a motion to vacate the chair. Eight Republicans crossed party lines to vote with 208 Democrats, against 210 Republicans who voted to keep the Speaker in place, and thus was Kevin McCarthy's tenure as Speaker ended. Five days ago, on Wednesday, October 11, the House Republican Conference gathered to select its next nominee for Speaker. There were two announced candidates, Steve Scalise of Louisiana, first elected to the House in a special election in 2008, and who now serves as the second-ranking Republican in the House leadership as the majority leader. And Jim Jordan of Ohio, first elected to the House in 2006, who has spent much of his time in the House as a thorn in the side of the House Republican leadership, as a founder and chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, and now as chairman of the Judiciary Committee and its subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. Before the voting to choose the nominee for Speaker began, the Republicans first had to decide how they were going to do it. Texas Republican Chip Roy offered an amendment to raise the threshold necessary to win the nomination to the number needed to ensure victory on the House floor. 
217. That would have been a significant change from the established practice that had been in place since the beginning, that is, the simple majority method. Rule 4, Conference Election Procedures, lays it out. Quote, Balloting procedures. When there are more than two candidates for any office and none receives a majority of the votes on the first ballot, a quorum being present, the candidate with the lowest number of votes on that and each succeeding ballot will be dropped from the ballot until one candidate receives a majority of the votes, a quorum being present, end quote. This is a crucial distinction. The rules of the game determine the outcome of the game. The kind of candidate who can win if victory is to be gained by winning a simple majority is going to be very different from the kind of candidate who can win if 217 votes are necessary in a conference of just 221 voters. In the event, the conference decided against making the change. The conference decided to keep in place the rules that had been in place for more than 150 years. A simple majority was all that was necessary for victory in the nomination fight. After the victor had been decided, then all the supporters of the losing candidate were expected to fall in line behind the conference's choice. Jordan had more public endorsements racked up as the meeting began, and also enjoyed the support of deposed Speaker McCarthy for what that was worth. But when the voting was done and the count was announced, Scalise emerged on top by a vote of 113 to 99. Now, some of Jordan's supporters cried foul, saying Scalise had not won a majority because his vote included three votes that weren't cast by members of the House of Representatives. That's because they were cast by the delegates from American Samoa and Guam, and the resident commissioner of Puerto Rico. These three don't have a vote on the floor of the House of Representatives, but Rule 1A of the House GOP Conference Rules of the 118th Congress, entitled Conference Membership, says, quote, All Republican members of the House of Representatives, parenthesis, including delegates and the resident commissioner, end parenthesis, and other members of the Houses determined by the Republican Conference of the House of Representatives, shall be members of the House. So, those votes counted, whether you like it or not. And Scalise won a bare majority of the vote, but it was a majority. But then something odd happened. Even though the conference had considered changing the rules to require a nominee to win the votes of 217 Republicans to become the nominee, and had decided against that change, the conference nevertheless conducted itself as if it had decided to change the rules. Instead of just calling the House back into session and going straight to the floor, secure in the confidence that all Republicans would vote for the Republican nominee for Speaker they had just decided upon, something they had previously done without blinking, this time Republican leaders decided to hold what they called a validation vote to show that the nominee could get 217 votes just from Republicans. They announced this on Wednesday after Scalise won the majority vote. The validation vote would take place on Thursday. That is, Scalise was given 24 hours to win over the 107 Republicans he needed to get to get to the magic number of 217. He couldn't do it. And on Thursday afternoon, he announced he was giving up the Republican nomination for Speaker. Jordan's allies were elated. Obviously, they thought, since Jordan had been the only other candidate for Speaker, he would now inherit the nomination by acclamation. 
except that on the way to picking up that nomination, someone else decided to offer himself to his colleagues. Congressman Austin Scott of Georgia, first elected in 2010, and who served as president of his freshman class. Before Republicans voted for their nominee for speaker, they considered rules changes again. Chip Roy's amendment, modified this time, was considered, as were three other amendments, all of which were designed to change the threshold necessary to be nominated for speaker by the House Republican Conference. All four amendments were defeated. The House Republican Conference decided to stick with the rules that got him there. Scott ran an odd campaign for a few hours on Friday. He said he actually didn't want to serve as speaker. But when the voting was done, he won 81 votes anyway. Jordan won 124, so Jordan won the conference's nomination for speaker. But the fact that a virtually unknown candidate who didn't campaign and said he didn't want the job nevertheless won 81 votes spelled trouble with a capital T for Jordan. So Jordan was a nominee, and he was going to win the votes of all the members who had cast votes against him on the previous two ballots, right? No. House Republican leaders were no more sure that Jordan could win 217 votes on the House floor than they were that Scalise could. But former Speaker McCarthy, who had backed Jordan over Scalise, was confident Jordan would get to 217, so he pushed. So the House GOP held the validation vote that had been denied Scalise. This time, Jordan won 152 votes. He lost 55. But more importantly, he was 65 votes short of the magic number of 217. One Republican tried to move to have an open roll call vote of the whole conference so everyone could see who it was who was opposing Jordan. But there were objections to that idea, and it went nowhere. At that point, the House Republican Conference broke. The House GOP leadership made the decision to break for the weekend. Jordan hoped to use the time to work the members to figure out who it was who were the 65 who was opposing him. Remember, these are all ballots inside the House Republican Conference, and House Republican Conference rules require that all such balloting be done by secret ballot. So unless some member came out publicly and said, I voted against Jim Jordan on the validation vote, or something similar, there was no way of knowing who voted for him and who voted against him. The current plan is for the House Republican Conference to meet again Monday night, that is tonight, and then meet Tuesday to see where Jordan is. If they think Jordan can get to 217 on the floor of the House, they'll call the House into session and hold a floor vote to elect a new speaker. That decision will be a tricky one. They'd better be sure of their numbers because the Democrat leader, Hakeem Jeffries, can count on 212 votes. If an election for speaker is held, and Jordan can only get to 211, that is, he grows his vote from 152 to 211, a not inconsiderable feat, but not enough, then the Democrats could take over the chamber for the duration of the 118th Congress. All it would take for that to happen is for 10 Republicans to take a walk on the vote. Let's be clear, they couldn't elect Jeffries by voting for people other than Jordan. If they vote for a live person, their vote would count as a real vote and would count toward figuring out what the necessary number to establish a majority is. There are currently 433 members of the House of Representatives, so a majority, if all members are present and voting, is 217. If a member doesn't cast a vote during the roll call for speaker, then the number of votes cast would be 432. The necessary threshold would remain at 217. 
But if two didn't cast a vote, then the number of votes would be lowered to 431, and the necessary threshold for victory would be lowered to 216, and so on. So if 10 Republicans took a walk, they would lower the number of votes cast to 423 and lower the necessary threshold to 212, and Jeffries could win. Do I expect that? No. I don't believe those opposed to Jordan would willingly turn the House over to Democrats. But I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them vote for other real people, enough to keep Jordan from getting to 217 and denying him the speakership. Now, Jordan is counting on the fact that the Republican members who oppose him are the institutionalists, the ones who opposed the move against McCarthy in the first place. Their first loyalty, he believes, is to the established order. And he won the nomination at the House Republican Conference fair and square, and therefore is due respect and their support. That's what he's counting on. I've been told by reliable sources that Jordan's campaign over the weekend, assisted by outside organizations, including Tea Party Patriots Action, has made progress, but still has a ways to go. So if you've been making phone calls, please keep it up. Now to the Jenny Beth Show. Big news out of Louisiana over the weekend. Republican Jeff Landry, the state's current attorney general, won the governorship in the first round of balloting, the so-called jungle primary. You can get a great read on the current state of politics in the Bayou State by listening to episode 35 of The Jenny Beth Show, which dropped last Wednesday. It features Jenny Beth's interview with Scott McKay of the Louisiana Freedom Caucus PAC. And that's our Washington Report for this week.